Welcome back in, basketball fans all over. Appreciate you for joining me once again. Sixty-nine episode sixty-nine, I guess, of all numbers. Uh, for take take the podcast, what you're watching and listening to right now. Appreciate all of you who've already done so. Please subscribe anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. Takes take. And remember to follow along on all social media platforms at takes take hoops. T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. As you know, we like to call it where basketball lives. Ah. On to the Sweet 16 we go. Uh, without further ado, I want to make sure that I bring in uh, my guest who's in the green room and been waiting ever so patiently, and I definitely uh, appreciate him for doing so as I am bringing him up right now. I'd like to bring in uh, their we go there he is perfect timing uh dan bonner uh ncaa college basketball tv analyst and color commentator for cbs dan how are you this afternoon deshaun i'm doing very well i hope you are i am thank you so much for uh for the warm wishes uh i want to start off with this first because this one appears to be the one that everybody keeps seeming to talk about a little bit uh what do you say to those or is it fair judgment would you say for those who are saying you know what big 10 is overrated we know they've only got one team after getting nine in that are still remaining in the second weekend now uh and how can the big 10 kind of defend themselves a little bit from this conversation well deshaun i think that the tournament is an entirely different animal uh, the Big Ten's ratings was based upon what they did through the course of the season. I think it was probably a little bit inflated this year because uh, nobody really had a non-conference schedule to speak of. And the metrics really loved all the teams in the Big Ten. Uh, and so that that's the regular season. And the regular season and the tournament are two totally different animals. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate for the Big Ten. <laughs> I mean, they have to defend themselves when you lose – all but one of your teams when you're going into the Sweet 16, that's not a good uh, optic, certainly. But uh, no, I don't think the Big Ten's overrated. They play great basketball. The one thing I will tell you is it's possible that we've underestimated the Pac-12 because their teams have performed extremely well. And obviously the Big 12 teams have performed extremely well. So, you know, I, I don't feel like the Big Ten's overrated. I just feel like the tournament is a different beast. Okay, I'm not mad at that. Respect that for sure. Um, you had the opportunity to call a few of these games, and please correct me if there were some other ones that I might be missing out on. The Drexel, Illinois game, uh, Liberty in Oklahoma State, Winthrop in Villanova. What were some of your bigger takeaways from those games, particularly of the ones that you did call? I thought it was very interesting, particularly when they lost in the next round, but Illinois was very impressive. I mean, uh, I work obviously with Kevin Harlan and Kevin Harlan is one of the voices of the NBA uh, on TNT. And Kevin Harlan said Illinois looked to him like they were bigger than some NBA teams, that their, uh, their muscularity, their, uh, you know, I thought that, you know, if basketball didn't work out for him, I said it on the air, they could be in those, uh, exercise uh, equipment videos that, I mean, they really were a great looking group of kids. Uh, and so for them to lose, and I didn't see the game uh, because I was working, but for them to lose to Loyola Chicago, that was really a surprise to me. Uh, I was impressed with Villanova 
given the fact that they're still trying to rebuild their team. Uh, I was impressed with the job that they did because I thought Winthrop was pretty good. Uh, I was impressed with Cade Cunningham, uh, but then, you know, they were out in the next round too. So again, that just tells you what this tournament is like. I, I, I mean, it's, it is a different kind of animal entirely. Uh, and all you have to do is check in with the people at the University of Virginia. One year, they're a 16 seed, or they're a one seed, and they lose to a 16. And then the next year, they win the national championship. It's just a different beast. Yeah, in between years of being eliminated in the first round, they win a national championship. How crazy that is. I want to move over to the team that everybody seems to be talking about that's got the big, fat uh, Target logo, the bullseye on their back being the uh, being, uh, I'm sorry, I'm being Virginia, being the uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs. Do you have any concerns? Like, what is the biggest concern? Are there any concerns? Because all I keep feeling like I'm hearing about is the positivity and the optimism. And I, I, nobody's invincible. Uh, so what are any, if any of the concerns or weaknesses, if you will, that you see from Gonzaga or and or what kind of team, uh, if one even exists, that it would take to beat a team like Gonzaga? I think the biggest concern, and it's a concern for everybody who plays in the tournament, you have one game, and everybody can have one bad game. Uh, even though you've played, uh, what, they they won 26 during the regular season, and they've won two more here. Uh, so they've won 28 in a row, and they've been behind in a couple of those, particularly the uh, West Coast Conference championship game. They got behind to BYU, but rallied to win the game. So the point is, you've been around basketball long enough. Everybody can have an off night. And in this tournament, it takes one off night. I would say with Gonzaga, they could play any team in this tournament in a seven-game series, and they would win the series. Uh, a team like Baylor, it might take them seven games to do it uh, because Baylor has the kind of quickness in the backcourt that can really give Gonzaga, I think, some difficulties. Uh, so, again, that would be my concern. Everybody can have an off night. Uh, Gonzaga can certainly have an off night. Uh, I don't think, and you said it, nobody's invincible. That, you know, was canceled or postponed earlier in the season between Gonzaga and Baylor. I think that's the one that everybody kind of looking forward to, to an extent. Uh, we talked a little bit about this team, the one that's last uh, standing in the Big Ten, talking about the University of Michigan. How long do you think that they can afford to be without Isaiah Livers? Because as you know, uh, that you know, this is a tournament in which each game by game it gets a little bit more difficult for a lot of when it comes to the competition. Florida State is up next. They they're confident, uh, and that's one I would imagine that they would need Livers for. I haven't got an update particularly just yet on that injury, but how long do you think that they can go without someone like him? Well, I think that that's a very that's a very good question, and it's a very difficult task for Michigan. I don't think they're going to have livers even if they go all the way through to the championship game. Uh, you know, he himself has been quoted as saying that it would be miraculous if he could play in the tournament, and uh, I, I don't expect that he will want to take that risk. I don't expect that the University of Michigan will want to risk him that way. Uh, but again, you know, last night, Sean D. Brown had 21 points, and that's something that Sean D. Brown hasn't done all year. And so can somebody not take the place of Livers because Livers does so many things, but with the combination of people and Brown, you know, 
if he scores 21 points in every game, then Michigan's pretty good. You know, they don't have winners, but if Shondi Brown can score 21 points, then that really helps them. Uh, so I, I think it is a it is a very bad thing, uh, a bad break for Michigan that they don't have livers. I don't think they can win the national championship without livers, but I think they can continue to advance without livers. I, I really like Florida State. I think they're an excellent team. Um, and I think it'll be a very difficult game for Michigan. But again, Florida State, they've had some games. I mean, it took them overtime to beat Wake Forest. They lost to Notre Dame toward the end of the season. So they are not a team that that, that is a guarantee either. And again, it's, it's one game. What can you do for one game? Let's say that Florida State plays against Michigan and they make 15 threes. Well, okay, Florida State's winning that game. Uh, but it's just, it's one game. So I think it's a problem without Livers. I don't think they can win the whole thing without him, but certainly they can win some more games. I want to move forward uh, a little bit, talking about one of the more traditional and prestigious uh, basketball programs in the history. We start talking about Blue Bloods. Everybody's going to talk about your Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA, and so forth. This also being a name that we're used to kind of putting in that conversation, but kind of feel like we haven't in a little while. Some of the more ideal candidates for this Indiana job. And I'm going to throw out a couple names and maybe you can give me, you know, those who might be ideal, maybe realistic or unrealistic, maybe even a dark horse that I won't name. Uh, Brad Stevens, uh, Steve Alford. Dane Fife, an assistant at Michigan State, was once an Indiana Hoosier. Uh, Calbert Chaney, uh, Chris Beard, Porter Moser, got two more left. Uh, Scott Drew, and the last one, being a guy from, if I'm understanding this correctly, they did target and try to reach out. Things didn't go well from a physical standpoint, and that being Thad Mata. What is your take on uh, the current happenings with the head coaching vacancy at Indiana and who could be ideal? Well, I don't know that anybody is ideal. Uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky. I think Indiana is a very difficult job. Certainly it's a job where they've had success in the past. Certainly it's a job where you can win. Certainly they have good facilities. Certainly they spend the money. So it's a good job in that respect, but it's a hard job. And no matter who you hire, you need to hire somebody who has a pretty thick skin. Uh, and I... I I think it would be better to have somebody who's a little more experienced. I don't think there's any athletic director out there uh, who might, you know, at Indiana or any other school like Indiana, who is going to take a chance and is going to hire an assistant coach. I think they're going to want somebody with head coaching experience. Uh, and in this day and age, you know, most of the fellows that you mentioned were, you know, older guys and that's good, but, I would like to see him give a chance to a younger guy, a guy like Dennis Gates, uh, the coach at Cleveland State. And I'm not saying he's an ideal candidate, but I think in this day and age, we have to look around and we have to understand that young black men can coach. Uh, they're not just recruiters. And so I think when you have an opening at a place like Indiana, I think that you have to take a look at some young black coaches uh, with some head coaching experience and uh, again, that's not a job that I would wish on anybody because that's a hard job. And I'm not that I don't say that to be offensive to sure. Indiana. Sure. They're passionate fans. And I remember having a conversation one time with Tubby Smith when he worked at Kentucky. And I asked him, you know, what about the pressure? Isn't there a lot of pressure here? And he said, you want a job where the fans are passionate. And certainly they're passionate at Indiana. 
Uh, they, and so, you know, I don't know who the ideal candidate is, but it's, it's a candidate who's going to be walking into a tough spot. Dennis Gates, very interesting uh, take there by our uh, guest of the day, that being nobody other than Dan Bonner, NCAA college basketball TV analyst and color commentator for CBS. Uh, we talked, you touched on this just a little bit earlier, talking about the uh, the Pac-12 and maybe uh, maybe not getting the consideration or the notoriety that maybe some of the others have. Obviously, as we know, they've got four of their five uh, teams that are in the Sweet 16 and have advanced. Do you think that they were, and I know you touched on this a little bit, maybe overlooked or under-evaluated? I guess uh, you kind of in a roundabout way already answered that. I guess, let me form it this way. Is it Which is a bigger surprise, the Big Ten faring out the way that they have after the first weekend or the Pac-12 faring the way that they did? I think the Pac-12 is a bigger surprise. Uh, uh, you know, I think that, you know, UCLA, for example, uh, barely got into the tournament. And UCLA was, they were behind that whole game against Michigan State. They, uh, you know, they were ahead in that game for 48 seconds. Uh, at the end of regulation, and then they wanted an overtime. So again, it's a one and done kind of tournament. And then when they win that game, I think then they had good matchups. Uh, and so UCLA is obviously a very good team. Uh, but so, I, you know, the surprise is, is the Pac-12. And I don't know that it's because they're such, you know, they have such power and everything. Uh, Oregon uh, played extremely well uh, in beating Kansas, obviously. They played extremely well. Uh, Kansas, you know, they're missing a couple of guys. They're coming out of a COVID pause, even though they won the first game against Eastern Washington. It, it took teams, you know, Baylor, it took them a long time to get back after the COVID pause. And that's, I'm not running down the Pac-12. I just think that the Pac-12 is the bigger surprise, but I think the Pac-12 may have had some favorable matchups as well. And that's what this tournament is all about is matchups. I definitely understand that. And what I want to do here, just for a quick second, if you don't mind, because I know we got you here for uh, a, a very limited time, I want to introduce you to a special little part of our segment uh, that is called Quick Release. And okay. it, it is essentially, feel free to uh, answer as quickly or elaborate as slowly as you feel the need to. Uh, just a little bit of rapid fire, having a little bit of fun here with the NCAA tournament. Here's my first question for you. If anybody in the tournament, I don't know if you remember the Patrick O'Brien from, uh, from. Well, Deshaun, Deshaun, I lost you there for a second. I know I'm coming right back. Can you hear me? There we go. I, I can't hear you. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Sorry about that. Telephone call, call, call coming in. They're like, when are you going to ask him about Patrick? O I, I'm asking him. Just slow down. Stop calling me. So, it, you know, with Patrick O'Brien, who had a, a really good uh, tournament uh, that nobody really paid attention to, played himself into, obviously, uh, a lottery pick in first round for the NBA. Is there a player that's remaining in the tournament that can have something similar to where nobody's really talking about him, but if he puts together really good contribution and group of games that he can end up being maybe a first-round pick? Boy, that's a really good question, and I, I don't think there's a Patrick O'Brien uh, in the tournament. I think Florida State has a couple of guys that uh, people tend to overlook uh, just because Florida State plays so many guys, but 
Uh, even there, I don't think there's uh, there's there, there's uh, somebody who's going to play so well they're going to play himself into a first round pick. So the answer is I don't think there's a Patrick O'Brien this year. Okay, good deal. Let's move on to the next one. Who would you say has been the NCAA tournament's most impressive team or teams, player or players? Well, I think that uh, the two most impressive teams have been Alabama. Other than Gonzaga, of course, Gonzaga hasn't done. I mean, they're 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 like the favorite, and they haven't done anything to go away from that. But I think Alabama has, you know, with the style they play, I think they've they've been very impressive. And, and you have to be impressive. You have to be impressed with Loyola of Chicago. Uh, it may be that 101 year old nun who's behind it all. I do not know. Uh, it may be Sister Jean, but certainly I think Alabama. And Loyola Chicago have been very impressive uh, so far. Who do you think entered the NCAA tournament with a bigger chip on their shoulder? A, that being Syracuse, who a lot of people feel like shouldn't have been in this thing to begin with, and they're still standing. And then maybe even Villanova, who is without a starting point guard uh, in Colin Gillespie. Who's had the bigger chip on their shoulder, you think? I think the bigger chip is definitely Syracuse uh, because they they really resented the fact that everybody thinks they shouldn't be in the tournament. Uh, and so I think that's a big chip. And for Villanova, they're just trying to figure out what they're doing. Uh, this is an experienced veteran group. So I don't think they have a chip on their shoulder. But, uh, you know, the answer would be Syracuse has the biggest chip. Okay, don't let's do this one. I do something really, really fun called a chalkboard question of the day. Uh, and, and just scratch out the part where it says in one word. Let's start out with which Cinderella team. Oh, that's a, I got you on the wrong question there. Just one second. There we go. That's the one I wanted. Who is the most underrated, underrated Sweet 16 matchup? Underrated Sweet 16 matchup. Well, I think that uh, it might be Syracuse and Houston. Uh, you know, just Houston is the number two seed. Syracuse is the number 11 seed. Uh, I think that Syracuse playing that zone, they, 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 they have a chance. Uh, so I think that's probably the most underrated matchup. Everybody's talking about Sister Jean, so, and Oregon State's playing really well, so that's not underrated. And Michigan and uh, Florida State, people have been talking about them all year. Uh, everybody still talks about Gonzaga. Creighton is a number five seed, so that shouldn't be any sort of an underrated matchup. And then UCLA and Alabama, well, you know, that could be, but I'm, I'm going to go with Syracuse and, uh, and Houston. And that was going to be my next question, was which one do you believe is the most anticipated Sweet 16 matchup? For me personally, if you don't mind, I, I'm, I'm really getting into this Michigan and Florida State one. There's, there are others that I, I think that you can group together and say that they're going to be highly anticipated. That one the most I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to. Take me, through, uh, 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 take me through Dan Bonner's mind on when you see this game, that's the one you have to watch. If all of the games came on at the same time, which one would you be most excited about seeing? Well, I think the answer to that question is the Michigan-Florida State. I think those are two teams that people have been talking about for a while. So I think that's that's a very good matchup. That's uh, Is that the only 1-4 matchup we have? Uh, I think it is. Yes, uh, it is. Okay, so that's the one that, according to the seeding, is the most anticipated matchup. Although, uh, you know, how can you not look forward to seeing Loyola Chicago play again? Uh, 
but uh, you know, but I think that I think the most anticipated matchup is the only one four we have left, and that's Michigan and Florida State. And then who knows if Earl Roberts finds a way to win their Sweet 16 game and move on to the lead eight, they might be the most anticipated just to see if they'll be able to be the ones that uh, is still wearing the Cinderella slipper and maybe go to the Final Four. Just hard to imagine the last time that we saw Loyola Chicago, they were wearing the slipper and being considered uh, a Cinderella team if they get in. And then Oral Roberts, everything's just going to just blow up and go crazy. Uh, two more questions for you. The first one is you had a chance to look, have a live look in. You mentioned it earlier at Cade Cunningham. How special is he? And you have other guys that are going to be in consideration, maybe uh, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, maybe. Uh, can Do you think that there's any of those two players or anybody else that can maybe challenge him for the number one spot? Well, it's it's not really a question of challenging Deshaun. It's based on what the whatever team is going to be the first in the draft, what their needs are. Uh, I certainly think that Cade Cunningham is a very good player. I mean, he's a guy who can play point guard at six feet eight. Uh, there were questions about his ability to shoot the three, but he answered those questions. He shot forty percent from three. Now, of course, the NBA distance is a little bit further, but uh, Cunningham. He, he seems to be a very humble kind of kid. Uh, he knows that he can go and take over any game he wants to play, but he has worked very well with his teammates, and I think that's a real plus for any NBA team. Uh, he's going to blend in, uh, but he's also going to be outstanding. So I would be very surprised if anybody other than Cade Cunningham was the number one pick in the draft. That makes perfect sense to me, and I do think that the consensus would certainly agree with you on that one. Last question of uh, for you before we get out of here. I'm going to throw out this one last chalkboard question of the day. A little bit of fill in the blank. It wouldn't surprise me if we see blank this weekend. It could be absolutely anything you like pertaining to the NCAA tournament. It wouldn't surprise me if we see blank this weekend. What is that fill in the blank for you? Well, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see some great games this weekend. Uh, I mean, I mean, very close games. All the games have been entertaining. But I think that this is a time where uh, as I look at these matchups, what it wouldn't surprise me if we have some really tight games. We've got some teams playing very well uh, and get some teams who have had really great seasons. Uh, so I'm, I'm just looking for a group of really great games. That wouldn't surprise me. Awesome. Outstanding. Appreciate you for joining us in the locker room here for episode 69. Again, Dan Bonner, NCAA men's college basketball TV analyst and color commentator for CBS. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Blessings, prosperity to you as well. And uh, and, and be safe. Are you going to get a chance to go up to Indy to enjoy some of the madness or are you kind of going to stay behind uh, for the final four? No, no, I, I'm not going to stay for the final four, but I'll be uh, I'm here. Uh, actually, I have the uh, Loyola Chicago uh, uh, Oregon State game and the Oral Roberts uh, Arkansas game. So I'll have those two games and then I'll do one of the regional finals. So I'm here. Uh, uh, I'm isolated in my hotel room uh, and uh, it's it's been a very entertaining kind of thing. Different, but it's been fun. I want to, I'm sorry, I, I promise I'll wrap it up at this because I forget that you were still there. Uh, what has that atmosphere been like? I guess there probably hasn't been a ton of atmosphere there, uh, but or how difficult has that kind of been 
maybe for you personally who's right there within the bubble and maybe you can't do a whole ton of different stuff, uh, maybe probably have a little bit more flexibility than some of the players and coaches and so forth. But being there in person, how has that been different? Well, it's been very different from what it usually is because usually at this time I would be someplace, uh, you know, at one of the regions and I would have done four games the first round and then uh, two games the second round. And now I would have gone home. I would have gone and then I'd be in another another city. Uh, so that's that's different. But that's the way it's been all year. Uh, and this is it's an amazing logistical thing that the NCA and CBS and Turner have put together. Uh, and it's been very interesting to be part of it. Um, the safety uh, COVID protocols are very strict uh, and that's what they, that's what they need to be. Uh, and it's, it's been different, but it's been fun. And I'm just very grateful that I have been able to be a part of it. I really appreciate you joining me. Dan again, uh, college basketball TV analyst and color commentator for CBS. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 69. Well, Deshaun, thanks for the invitation. It was my pleasure. All right. Sounds good. That was our guest in uh, and, uh, and, and Dan Bonner. Uh, appreciate him for gracing us with his presence and uh, his knowledge and just kind of giving us a little bit of a feel of what things are like there right now in Indianapolis in you know, whole March madness, the whole atmosphere taking us, giving us kind of a somewhat of a live look inside uh, 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 with our imaginations, obviously. Uh, but appreciate him very much for 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 doing that. And uh, I kind of want to get out of here on this note. Uh, in in closing, is that um you know I'm curious to see what some of you guys' brackets look like. Uh, feel free to uh, hit me. You can DM me or you know just an original post or whatnot uh, on social media at Tate's Take Hoops T A T E S. T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Remember to subscribe. You guys know you always have uh, a voice here on my particular platform. I know a good buddy of mine. I chop it up with this dude every now and then. Matthew Maurer, thanks for coming through, man, and showing some love. Uh, talking about, uh, is it Chris? I want to feel like it's Chris Duarte from Oregon has been looking good. Uh, but not that high, I guess, is what he's saying to maybe be considered um, a steal. Uh, or to boost his draft stock in the lottery, assuming. As you can see there, he's got his uh, joining us on Facebook, and you can be much like Matthew as well and join us on Facebook as we stream all of these shows live on Facebook as well as on uh, on Twitch, uh, including on uh, on YouTube and all of that good stuff. So appreciate him for, for, for joining and chiming in with us and everybody who's you know watched and maybe didn't leave a comment. Uh, speaking of leaving a comment, feel free to subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just takes take, put that in the search box. Uh, you have an opportunity as well. That's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, the whole nine. Uh, feel free to leave a comment, uh, a review. You can leave up to a five-star rating, perhaps, if you will. Uh, so uh, all those things are, are, are just me being grateful and thankful of you taking the opportunity to be a part of the contributing to the program as well. So as I always say, don't save it for the local barbershops. Don't save it for the local sports bars. You always have a voice here on what I like to call the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Spread the word.
Go and subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You know that that's the word of the day is to subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama, tell everybody. We all know somebody who loves basketball, especially this time of the year. Who doesn't? Appreciate all you guys for joining me. And uh, I think later on this week, we've got a few different um, a few different uh, guests uh, that's going to be coming on. Uh, one of them being Tim Brando. We're working on Tim Brando right now. Going to confirm that. Uh, and, and quite a few others as well that's going to be breaking down these regions, region by region, team by teams, uh, so that we can get you guys all prepared and maybe help you fill out your brackets a little bit, drop some nuggets and some jewels on you guys that maybe you didn't know about. Appreciate you guys for joining me and looking forward to doing this on the next one for episode 70. This is a wrap for episode 69 of Take to Take, where basketball lives.